I don't know, kind of weaken the banter department. It'll, it'll yeah, it'll I don't know. Maybe, maybe next week maybe. I, sh- I should have coffee <laughs> instead of herbal tea, which I've already completely drained. Oh, is that is that what 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 it is? You need caffeine? I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm I'm going on some serious uh, sleep deficit right now. A lot of late nights, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of home improvement slash home restoration. Basically, I'm living this old house meets little house on the prairie yeah meets i don't know something else i feel like that there's another reality show in there somewhere if uh if the level of comedy you produce is uh commensurate with the amount of caffeine you consume then i'm just gonna get you like a bang no i did that once and we bantered about it <laughs> remember i had the bang and, and you said i had palpitations <laughs> because my heart hurt like i thought that maybe i had partaken of a particular medical intervention that has recently been documented to make people feel yes, that way. Yes, that's good. That, let's get back to that. I want bang Justin next week. You got that? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a prime prime level banter was, you know, heart heart pain, chest pain, and uh, yeah. Let it be caffeine. known. When I want banter, I want bang banter. Bang banter. <laughs> Welcome to Deuterocannons. I'm Byron, and with me as always is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. That sounded kind of fake, didn't it? Party on, Justin. That sounds more fake, and it also sounds like you are a refugee from The Simpsons. Speaking of self-deprecating humor. And this is episode, ooh. 42. 42? I think it's 42. 42. I guess we'll go back and check. Of course, that's in total episodes. Do you know what podcast, Apple Podcast episode it is? I feel like we are closing in on a higher number than last week. (laughs) Is that safe? That's safe. It is probably at least one more than the last one. Let's let's see here. Check my copious notes. While Justin's fact-checking that, I'm going to go ahead and say, please like, share, subscribe, you know, all the normal things that people on the internet do. And more than anything, tell a friend. And I'd also like to use this as an opportunity to... uh, uh, what's it? Pitch, pitch, plug, or, plug. Thank you to plug another podcast that we have started. So we have a podcast now for the Allensville Church of Christ proper, and on this on this channel, on that channel, excuse me, you'll be able to hear our weekly sermon and then other select content. So we're looking at historic sermons. By historic, though, I just mean older sermons. So probably some from the last two years. But then I think the thing we're probably both, well, us, you and I, and then Todd are are also pretty excited about is. We're looking to get some old reel-to-reel content we have converted over to digital, and then we'll be posting that. So that should be pretty cool. So uh, I've actually heard a clip that Todd sent me from the reel-to-reel from the 1950s of R.H. Bull. Yeah, he sent that to me too. That's really cool. So go to any major podcasting uh, platform and search Allensville Church of Christ, and that will come up. And for those of you keeping score at home, this is episode 28, according to Apple Podcast, even though we have... More than that, in fact. Okay. You just have to go to Facebook to find them. We'll probably put them on here eventually. Eventually. All right, so this week, I talked last week about, uh, well, I teased two things that I was thinking of doing, and I think I'm going to go with the 
former, which is I want to talk. I'm going to start a series. So you're doing a series on church words. Church words. This is kind of like that. I hope I don't steal any of your thunder. Uh, this is going to be on the fruit of the spirit. That is fruit singular. Excuse me. So we will discuss each element of the fruit of the spirit. And, and the genesis of this is some work I'm doing with the teens uh, downstairs. That's downstairs at the church, not downstairs at my house, because that's where we are broadcasting from now. Is this broadcasting? I suppose this, this it is. Is, it's podcasting, isn't it? It's podcasting. Oh, oh come on, brain. <laughs> so I, so I, I can see the back of your mic and it literally says pod mic. All right. It's either pod mic or POD mic. This is the world. Which means that's how those guys make money now that they're not making music anymore. POD. I was, I was trying to break out into a, a POD song, but the only one that came to mind was Satellite, but that's a lesser known song. I feel like it should be like... Uh, Fundamental Elements of Southtown. Yeah, that one. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about the fruit of the spirit. Uh, I did a whole sermon on love, and I was kind of almost going to be like, eh, we'll just skip that. You can go listen to the sermon, but... I don't know. I, I think it, it probably just is appropriate to just go through them one by one, particularly since I think love is foundational to all of them. And that's kind of maybe giving giving the end away, perhaps. So we're going to talk about love. Oh, let me open my Bible here. We can go ahead and turn to Galatians. We will be in the Galatians 6 area. In fact, why don't we go ahead and start by reading Galatians 5. Excuse me, Galatians 5. And uh, we'll start. We'll start in thirteen, and I'll read. I don't know. I'll read through eighteen, and then you can read nineteen through the end. Sure. Sound good? Yep. All right. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command: love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such there is no law and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another okay so uh that is the entire passage where we find the fruit of the spirit and uh, I guess I'd be remiss if I did not point out that is fruit of the spirit not fruits of the spirit um, and so I think probably the, the best way to refer to them is it, the, the individual words is the elements of the fruit of the spirit. I guess, do you have any thoughts of that before we start getting into love itself and, and why, why the collective equals one? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I have a thought about that, but I don't, since I, I'm not, 
you know, up on Greek as much as I would like to be. This would be a good question to ask Jim Atwood. Okay. Would be, you know, what's the significance of, of this appearing in translation as fruit yeah. singular rather than fruits yeah. plural? I, you know, this is, I'm wondering about things that I should probably have known before we started this, but I also wonder how, like the fruit of the spirit, first fruits, like we were talking, you were talking yeah. about this morning and, and what, if there's any correlation there anyway. So uh, again, moving forward and trying to do my best to not call it the fruits of the spirit. We're talking about the elements of the fruit of the spirit and we're going to start with love. So, uh, again, going back to what I'm doing with the teens, I have given each of them one of the elements of the fruit of the spirit. And I, I did love to kind of de- demonstrate this and I'm using the, uh, fruit of the spirit to teach them how to prepare uh, a message, a small talk about a five minute talk. And so uh, in my Bible, there's this uh, nice little matrix that has them each broken down. And so at least list the aspect, I said element, aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a definition, and then it has scriptures categorized, uh, breaking each aspect down by an attribute of God and an attribute for Christians. So we're going to focus on love tonight for this first installment. So I want to read you this definition, and this will be our first question. The first question is really, what do you think of this definition? So I guess, what is this, Zondervan? I got a Zondervan Bible, right? So the Zondervan NIV, I guess, is probably where this is coming from, has love defined as sacrificial unmerited deeds to help a needy person. What do you think of that definition of love? I think that it's maybe a a little bit too narrow. Okay. Um, I think that they they perhaps went a little bit too far that they, they could have really kept it to the the first few words when they talk about sacrifice mm-hmm. in the studies that, that I've done before. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that the word here for love in Galatians chapter five is agape mm-hmm. or agapo or, you know, right. wh- wh- whatever the particular form of it is. Yeah. And, and, and the idea of, of agape is is tied to sacrifice yeah and so i don't think it's just for a, a needy person i think that, that that's the part that's i mean that's part of it but to make that to be a particular i guess constraining aspect of the definition i i don't i don't i don't know why why they would necessarily go in that direction exclusively do you think the initial the the sacrificial and unmerited is appropriate um. Well, sure, sure, un- unmerited. But again, I think sometimes people throw words into definitions that are good and maybe are connected, but aren't definitive. To me, the the, the sacrifice that's definitive, mm-hmm. and the unmerited part would be ancillary. Mm-hmm. Ancillary, really. I mean, so so it's it's connected. Yeah, but it but it's not definitive. You you might say it, it's it's secondary, or if if one is sacrificial in the way that God is, well then then yes that that will end up entailing uh, sacrificing for those who aren't deserving. But I don't I don't know that I don't know that that's well. I guess I, would you agree or disagree that God's love and therefore our love, I guess, so long as we're practicing agape love should not be contingent on one's behavior or conduct towards you. Isn't that what makes it unique? Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I said it so good the first time I said you you did, but I need to think about it more. 
could you do you agree or disagree that God's love, so agape love, and and so and thereby our love, should we be practicing that form of love? Because I guess there are multiple forms of love. I it, it, when we get into it, uh, should not be contingent on one's behavior or conduct or how they treat you. I mean, isn't that what makes it unique? Okay, so I hope that this answers the question. So if if we're under if we are to understand like agape the 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 love of god as being uh sacrificial in nature or or primarily being expressed through sacrifice i would say sacrifice for for that which is good so it, it is possible to to express that to somebody who who is undeserving i mean clearly we're undeserving mm-hmm. however I would think that that's also the love that Christ has for the Father, mm-hmm. because we know that Christ sacrificed, and so if Christ sacrificed, then then that's agape, and we know that He did it for, for the for the sake of His Father, and of course He did it for us too. And you can say, well, we don't deserve it, but that that's that's what I mean. That the unmerited part is not definitive. It's I think it's secondary. It's like we're agape sacrifice for that which is good, and the recipient. Or the, the the object of it may be deserving or not, but that's the point. The point is what's good. Uh, I guess so. Where, where am I struggling with this? So I guess and maybe this just is is a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maybe like this definition has already been imprinted in my brain. The idea of <clears throat> of calling it unconditional love. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess that seemed pretty much pretty. Uh, that that seemed to me be to be what distinguishes this love from other love, and you're saying that that's not the case. Well, I, I think that it is, but but I think that there there's something that's more core to the situation than calling it unconditional love. So so it's so I, I guess it's well to me what what I'm saying is more foundational because if we're to say unconditional love, it's okay. Well, okay, so so how or why? It's unconditional to the extent that sacrifice is happening for the sake of that which is good, and that which is good doesn't doesn't change. And so, like the the, the condition is is on me. Like I'm accepting the conditionality of ordering my my behaviors and my intents toward sacrificing for that which is good. Mm-hmm. And so that's why. Like that, there's solidity there, and so that's why when you know God, for example, encounters his creatures that are that are sinning, well, that that's 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 the foundation of of the unconditional love. It's he's he's totally committed in the utmost way to always and everywhere doing that which is good, mm-hmm. and, and and even sacrificing for that good. Okay, I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay. I, I guess it's it's a uh, it's kind of I don't know hierarchical or foundational thinking or, or saying okay unconditional how and why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like saying like I want a level floor. It's like okay, yes, level floors are are good and important, but there's there's something under that. There's 
And if the thing underneath is solid, well, then you can have the, the level floor on top. That's how I feel about the unconditional love thing. Love being unconditional is predicated on something else that, that's, that's actually lower, deeper. You might say that, it, that it's higher and more important depending on, on the way that you're conceiving the, uh, the, the, the ordering of the thoughts. Um, sacrifice for that which is good, I think, is how I would define agape. Sacrifice for that which is good. Yeah. So, so long as it's good, you'll sacrifice for it. And that seems conditional to me. Well, well, I'm I'm talking about uh, more more broadly than than just a, a single person. Like I'm I'm talking about like the unchanging uh, good that you might even say is 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 God Himself. And it's it's kind of like Jordan Peterson talks about God. Not that not that he's exactly right about all the way that he conceives of it, but but he says that that, that God is the the conceptualization of of the the highest thing. Now, like his problem is that he doesn't recognize that that necessarily the conceptualization of of the highest possible thing is in fact um, a, a living entity. Mm-hmm. Let's say, mm-hmm. and. So I'm saying that, that that's like agape is sacrificing for that which is in keeping with the, the character of God, which is the embodiment of, of everything that is, that is good. Um, and, and I think that, that that can help break the, the idea of unconditional love away from, uh, I, I guess, emotional trappings. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that the idea of unconditional love is, is is always and everywhere having the warm fuzzies towards a person, no matter what that person happens to do. I I think that it's yeah right, but I guess so, and I guess I understand what you're saying, right? Because when God created man, He saw that it was good. Yeah, but we're also sinful. So in that manner, we are not good. And yet he continues to love us. Right. Right. So, so because there's a good that doesn't reside in us, that is the aim of, of, of his efforts with us. Well, but, and so, so despite being sinful, he continues to love us. Uh, right. Because, because that thing is good, not because we are good. Well, okay. That thing, what thing? The, well, the, the, the thing. <laughs> um, but, so, so, so the, the aspect of his character that would continue to love those who, who don't deserve it. Right. So his, his right con, his correct, I don't know, his good conduct towards his righteousness. us. righteousness. Right. His good conduct towards us, regardless of our behavior, is what is good. Yes. I still, I still can't, I still cannot <laughs> detach the condition from that though, which, which I think is kind of like the, he, he's unconditionally committed to the expression of his own goodness. It's kind of like, um, in, in the Lord's prayer or I mean, in, a Psalm 23 where, where, it, where it says for your namesake, uh-huh. like that, that's the idea that I've, that, that I've got here. Um, Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh-huh. 
which is that that's a little bit it's it's I think it's an important distinction to make if we are going to try to embody that same characteristic. Okay, so when I think of unconditional, like probably uh, apart from our relationship with God and God's relationship with us, I feel like another, the, probably the next most appropriate manifestation of that should be marriage, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's not, it shouldn't be that I will continue to be committed to you so long as you uh, reciprocate, right? Right. That's like, till death do us part means like this is it. Right, because you have to be committed to something that is... Uh, that's not subject to fluctuation. That's not subject to entropy of, of, of mm-hmm. you know, all, all sorts of uh, expressions. And so, uh, you know, for the marriage to continue, it's it's not that I'm committed to my wife per se, although I am. Yeah. Like that's that's not actually solid enough because, like. It's, 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 I'm, con- I'm, I'm committed to the institution of marriage or God. No. Yeah. So I, like I'm committed to the Lord number. It's, it's, it's another one of these situations of you put first thing second and you get neither. So the commitment to God comes first and it, what, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well, including, mm-hmm. you know, happy marriages. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like we're saying the same thing then. Well, we're starting to. <laughs> <laughs> This is all coming about from 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 my slight disagreement with the, the wording of the notes in your study Bible. Yeah. Okay. So, anywho, I didn't expect to get that hung up on that definition for so long, which is fine. Uh, so, what's what's interesting about this though is when you go through these, you see this aspect. I don't want to jump ahead to the other fruit, but you'll see the this kind of similar aspect of. Um, I don't know, being subject to these behaviors, these, I don't know, this fruit, uh, despite our conduct, although that is not always and everywhere the case. In fact, I think that's where love is. Uh, why, that's why love is foundational to this. Um, again, not trying, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I feel like this is a good point I've been making with Madeline cause she, she's got kindness. And so, um, I thought you said today that she had sass. <laughs> she does both <laughs> all the above. Uh, when, when we were talking about kindness, I forget which passage we read. I mean, we'll get to it eventually, but it talks about basically how uh, we receive, we are, you know, we are recipients of his kindness, even though we don't deserve it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that, that, w- that we are like that. Yeah, certainly we, we are undeserving. So, but, 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 and I kind of skipped it, but then there's another passage that talks about how. Uh, basically we'll continue to receive his kindness so long as we continue in his kindness, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's also this aspect of obedience where, uh, and I forget what passage it is, but it's contrasting kindness and sternness, the kindness okay. and sternness of God, yeah. which, which is interesting because you, you could see how that would work. Like God will be kind to you so long as you are obedient. But once you mm-hmm. become disobedient, now you're going to see the stern side of God. Hebrews 12 talks about that some, about the, I think it is Hebrews actually. It's, yeah, the, the the discipline God disciplines His sons, and the the discipline that He uh, uses with us as evidence. Actually, it's Romans. That I think is where she's. Getting. Anyways, but I I guess my point is this: is that uh, but both the sternness and the kindness still fall under that overarching umbrella of love. Yeah, you know, because one of the things I was telling her, man, I now I'm saying all the kindness things that I'm going to say. Uh, the opposite of kindness, we might say, is 
like cruelty, mm-hmm. I think, if I was just to say that. Yeah. And and so uh, cruelty is unpleasant, but so is discipline. And so what's the difference between those two? And I think it's, I would say, maybe intent. Right. And so you can, you can, so discipline, which is much like the sternness, comes from a place of love, just like kindness can, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Anyway, so I'm and kindness is a is a really interesting word. I mean, like like itself, like yeah, the the etymology of that that particular word. But I know that that's a different story for a different day. All right. So I want to get into these passages, and we'll just kind of go one by one. And I I probably won't go to my notes too much because I've I've been looking at these so much lately. So the first category, like I said, like I said, is attributes of God. So let's go to Exodus thirty four six and see what we can extract from that. Exodus just verse six 30 we'll see I found I find with a lot of these like and and I was like I was saying you know I'm using this to teach the kids how to prepare a lesson and you know they're finding very quickly like sometimes you've got to back up uh sometimes you've got to oh and I I guess I failed to mention this but one of the other uh uh what am I say techniques or that I've been discussing with them or things to look for when you're reading the bible we actually saw that there in Galatians um and I is kind of this the contrast between two things. So it listed kind of like the fruit of the flesh, I guess, you know, before it lists the fruit right. of the spirit, mm-hmm. which I guess a, probably a better word for that would be the antithesis, maybe? Yes. Yeah. All right, so what did I say? 34.6? You did. I probably should keep this marked. Okay, you want to go ahead and read that? Back up if you feel like you need to. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, which that's that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's 34.5. Yeah. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, Moses, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So the Lord descended and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Yeah. Not entirely sure what that means, but I would like to. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Uh, Let's see. All right, so I'll tell you this right now. I know you got comments on this because my comments were your comments because you were actually in class the day we talked about a lot of this stuff. Okay. So the thing that should stick out to you, sticks out to me, is that idea of abounding in love. Hey, Justin. (laughs) <laughs> say that thing you said about abounding well it's a it's a it's a good word it is a good word so your, so your, so, ex, your def your explanation was really good hey justin we're we gonna listen to your phone the entire podcast well there's an amber alert oh, really? y- yeah you're getting it too so is it a <laughs> we got a louisville kentucky maroon ford f-150 severe front end damage or something something to go with that i don't know probably a kidnap kid it's not a tornado it's not a tornado. Let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> Dad, it's an Amber Alert. Do we need to go to the basement? <laughs> we don't have a basement. <laughs> yeah, we, we just have to huddle in the uh, guest bathroom. Yeah. Okay, so so abounding, the way I explained that to the kids was I, I literally bounded around the room in, you know, like long, exaggerated, bouncy steps mm-hmm. because the, the idea of, of, of a bound is to... Yeah, so, so so like to, to bound is you know to to jump and to leap, and so if if things are abounding, it means that they're just uh, expanding mm-hmm. and 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 growing and and going forth, 
and it's very it's very active. So if he's abounding in love, it means it's just it's it's going everywhere, yeah, every which direction, and the, 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 there's also joy mm-hmm. that's like in in that too, yeah. Um, we also think of of harvest harvests that 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 abound, yeah. You know, a, a bumper crop. There's just so much you you don't even know mm-hmm. what to do with it. Yeah, but that's that, that's the idea here. So, I guess the the other thing that you had mentioned that day. I believe it was this day, but I think if not, it, it ties in here is, you know, the, like the, the three versions of God, the three versions yeah. of the view of God. Yeah. Right? And so you, what did you say? You said there's the, there is no God, right? There's right. the, there, there's a God and he kind of set the world in motion as standing back. And then there's the idea that what, what we would tend to agree with, which is there's a God and that he is like an active participant in his creation. Exactly. So, so you either have non-existence of God, God is transcendent. Mm-hmm. Or God is imminent, or you might say that, that that our view really is that God is transcendent. I mean, he he is totally beyond, and yet through Christ, he he's he's also imminent. Okay, which means like like here with yeah. us. So is it would it would it be safe to say another way to look at this passage is that God is active in love? Oh sure, yeah. it, it, like involved. Which I mean that I mean that should that should bring us a lot of comfort, you know. Mm-hmm. It kind of I mean even you could tie this into the thing with, with the prayers that you're talking about. And, and like, like if he's active, then he's going to answer your prayer. Right. It, it may not be now and it may be no, but you'll get an answer, right. you know? Exactly. But that's hard to deal with. It is. Like that, that's, I don't know if there's anything harder to deal with in, in the Christian faith than that. I, I feel like the, the interesting thing, and as you get older, I think you tend to appreciate this more is uh, just the, the the aspect of you know hindsight being twenty twenty mm-hmm. and how you're you you're you're uh, what am I saying here? It's easy to see the prayers that have been answered when you look back. Mm-hmm. It's being in the moment that's tough. I think about like the situation we've had with the houses, you know, the housing or the house purchases we've attempted to make, you know, uh, last year and and how we ended up here. And, you know, like the first one in particular, I mean, I won't give too many details away, but we had a lot of, uh, a lot of eggs in that basket hoping it was going to happen and, yeah. it, and it didn't, and we didn't understand why it was very frustrating circumstances. And then we find out after the fact that the folks that ended up moving in there had like water in the basement and a lot of like both, both, uh, HVAC units went out. And so, you know, I don't know, maybe that's trite, but it's it feels like a situation where God was looking out for us and we didn't understand it at the time, but he, he did. Yeah. You know, and man, there's probably far more serious examples of of that than, than what I just, you know, shared. Okay. Anything else you can pull from that passage? Uh, Let me look at it again. Um, So while you're looking at it, I guess I'll just kind of summarize at least my key, key takeaway here is that, uh, as an attribute of God, love God, as an attribute of God, we're talking about love. God is active in love, uh, in His creation. So I guess the other thing that stands out is that this is this is a really pivotal moment in in all of the scriptures, mm-hmm. because I can't think of, of anywhere else before this that the Lord Himself so specifically declares who He is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is even more specific than what Moses got at the burning bush. Yeah. So I guess that the idea is is that over the course of relationship with 
the Lord who is involved in the lives of people, more can be learned over time. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's that's how any relationship works. Mm-hmm. And to know to know that to have the faith that that we have access to relationship with him mm-hmm. that he's our father yeah that's that's really good news yeah all right so the next one's pretty easy it's John 3:16 you can turn over there real quick we'll actually we'll do 3:16 and 17 if needed it's not a challenge we you can, can probably just recite that one right yeah For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Sacrifice. Right. Which, I mean, returning to our definition, sacrificial, unmerited, right? I mean... And so this, I guess we see that God is active in love. And then I think this maybe is demonstrating like the extent of his love. In fact, for those of you playing home, I have my, my arms stretched out really wide. The, they are the extent of his love. Um, and, and then, I mean, can we, could we just, could we say that this is, uh, that, you know, agape love lived out for, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly, and I, I think that that what this is showing is, is that sacrifice, like the the choice that we get to make, is what we sacrifice and to whom. Because, e- like, even God, it turns out, is subject to sacrifice. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, which kind of goes back to <laughs> the. This is this is twice in one episode. The old Jordan Peterson, right? Like you don't get to pick your sacrifice, or what is it? You get you don't get to pick whether or not you sacrifice. Right. You get to pick what you sacrifice. And he didn't say this, so this this is this is me adding it. And you get to choose, uh, to whom? Yeah, uh, you know, and and why? Like like, it's not just that you sacrifice X, but you also say, okay, I'm sacrificing X because Y. Or to Z. Well, that that kind of that thread ties into the next verse pretty well. Sorry, I'm moving. There's a lot here, so I don't want to sure. not get to any of these. Yeah. But Romans five eight, Romans five eight. It says, "Where is it?" But God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I guess what I'm thinking here is this: is this idea of demonstrates, right? Uh, I guess when it comes down to it. God has a choice whether or not he sacrifices like we don't, but I think maybe he does. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then, then why would he, there's probably a, several reasons why he would, but I think this, this idea here of demonstrating, I mean, kind of goes back we're talking to the guy who preached about leading by example. So, uh, I, I don't know. Is there something to that there? Yeah. I, th- I think that there, there is, but, but also it's, it's in keeping with his character. Yeah. Certainly, I mean. So if I mean this, this is this is how he he shows his love. And again, it's it's so much more than just 
feelings or, or emotions. It's not that those things can't be involved. And, and I don't mean that, that, the, that the Lord can't or wouldn't mm-hmm. feel things. I think that there are plenty of scriptures that indicate uh, emotional, and I don't mean that in a, in a trite or, or a light sense, but where, where he does actually, you know, express feelings, yeah, both Old Testament and New Testament, but the love that he's talking about is is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It's it's predicated on on action on on sacrifice, and you know, I mean, isn't that what we try to teach our kids? Like like we we do what's right even when it hurts, right? Like that's okay. That's what God demonstrates to us. He does what's right always, even and especially when it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, 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 as you were saying, I was thinking that as you were saying, it's this idea of, uh, man. So in the army, we've got a creed. It's the NCO creed, the non-commissioned officer creed. And one of the, one of, one of my, I mean, I, I like a lot of things out of it because it really does embody what you're supposed to be. And one of the, the lines is I will be fair and impartial when recommending both rewards and punishments, you know? Mm. And so it's just kind of the idea of I'm going to do the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, remove emotion from it and just do right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what, what we're seeing here. Right. Okay. This next section. So first John four, seven through 12, we're still looking at attributes of God as it pertains to the aspect of the fruit of the spirit love. So we're going to 1 John 4, 7 through 12. And this is another, uh, uh, there's another thing here that um, is very much a Justin thing. I t- I stole from you. 1 John 4, <laughs> 7 through 12. For St. Peter 5. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in, in us and his love is perfected in us. So, okay, man, there's so much there, right? So I, let me let me let me do what I was telling them to do. Let's emphasize some things here. Okay. Right. So, dear, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves God has been born of God, and knows God. So, hey Justin, say that thing that you say about knowing. Yada yada yada. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does that mean? Yada yada yada. So it's. As far as I know, it's Yiddish. It's uh, so yada is the Hebrew verb to know. Mm-hmm. So when it says "be still and know that I'm God," it's yada. When it says in uh, in Genesis that Adam knew his wife, it's yada. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the idea of direct physical participation. Okay. And so that that's why, for example, that it was a lie. Man, Satan, the serpent lied so much more than what we give him credit for in the garden. Because when he said to the woman, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. That's not true. Yeah. Because yada doesn't simply mean 
having mental awareness of. Right. It's, again, direct physical participation, and God has absolutely no physical participation in evil. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, again, as is our tendency, so we're, we're getting kind of hung up on a word, which is fine. Yeah. But it, so let, like, let's dig into that a little bit, this idea, because there's so many maybe like levels of knowing things, you know? And sure. Like, I, I always kind of think of the, you know, sassy teenager, like, I know, mom. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but do you know, like, do you hear what but, I'm but saying? You know, the, 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 what's, what's the scripture that says that he who knows does not yet know as he ought? Hmm. I don't know. Oh man, well, what, what, I don't know, where, but where I love that? it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't know as well as I ought because I can't tell you chapter mm-hmm. and verse on that one. Maybe we'll get a comment on it. You know, but you were sitting there. I did this in class, and I kind of did a, did it a little bit when I was preaching the sermon. But it's you know asking these kids like you know hey hey uh, who was there that day? Hey Jim, do you know uh, Caleb over here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, how long have you known him? Oh, I know him for a little bit. Like, um, what's his last name? Oh, Smotherman. Okay. What's his blood type? <laughs> like, what? I, I didn't even know my own blood type until like a year ago. <laughs> right. But then like, you know, so then we asked some siblings some questions and there's obviously is, there's deeper layers of the things that they know. Right. And, 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 you know, you can see that like with parents, like there's certain things that moms know about their kids uh, that, that dads don't, but then it actually goes the other way as sure. well. Right. And so, um, I don't know, there's just so much, I think, there to unpack about this idea of knowing uh, knowing things. And so when we apply that to God, like you said, it's not, it's not just having, like, uh, cognition of God. Exactly. Right? You're flipping over there. What are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for, for where, where that, that verse might be. I, I know it's, it's in the New Testament. Um, like I'm, I'm not flipping through chapters. I'm just flipping through my study Bible here to see if, if, uh, if I can see where that comes from. I don't know if I'll be able to to find it. But but again, the more the more the way that we know people better is by participating mm, that's with yeah. those people. Yep. You know, and it it doesn't really matter what the you know X Y and Z participation, but participation. Is I mean you you don't you don't know somebody without without the direct participation right in some aspect of what that person happens to do well and that's kind of what I was gonna I was thinking is this the idea of knowing people will will be less and less superficial the more you spend time with them yeah. the more you participate yeah. with them one of the things I mentioned uh, on Sunday the Sunday I preached this sermon because this had literally just happened is uh we had exchanged Christmas gifts with uh, some friends of ours here, Ginger, you know, Ginger. Yeah. And, uh, she got me these, a candle that smells like leather. <laughs> and I'm like, why? And she's like, cause that one time you said when you're a kid, you used to go to the store and smell the baseball gloves. Cause you liked how baseball gloves smell smelled. That's one of the best smells. And, Believe it or not, this is possible. I was touched by this, that she remembered that, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, but the other thing I, I, I told her is that it's like, you're a gift giver, aren't you? And she's like, I am, you know? And so I, to whatever uh, credence you give this, I, I've, I've been attentive, I guess, in the past to the idea of love languages. And so yeah. I think that's also something interesting to know about, which is funny. We're talking about love, right? Love languages. And one of the ways you can know somebody's, how they, they communicate love is to know them better. Right. Which, which again means that you participate in something with that person. Correct. 
Okay, so yeah, do you have something else? No, no, I, like I always, I, always, but, I have something else. Yeah, so so my my brief uh, foray into the back of my Bible produced not what I was looking for. <laughs> okay, well, better luck next time. It's yeah, okay. We got it. we got plenty of things to say here. So, uh, he who does not love does not know God. Okay, because God is love. Mm-hmm. Man, like that's again. That just shows you how foundational like love is to everything else. Like, do you want to know God? Well, God's love, so no love, right? Yeah, just a nod. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and, you're, you're saying facts, amen. Byron. And, and, and I think that when we were talking about this with the kids, uh, I actually inserted the the, the definition that I suggested mm-hmm. that that love equals sacrificing. For that which is good, yeah, or or you might say it, um, doing right, even when it requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So he who does not do good, even when it hurts, or do right, even when it hurts, does not go, does not know God, does not participate in or with God. For God is right. Even when it hurts. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, like, I kind of have that written here. So, it's, so by loving as God loves, so sacrificially, unconditionally, actively, if we go back to that yeah, first yeah, verse, actively. in circumstances where someone would be otherwise undeserving or or because it is right, let's just add that because mm-hmm. I didn't have that here, uh, it seems we will know God more intimately. Which, uh, in other words, it's doing it's doing that. It's doing what's right simply because it's right and he loves it that we actually participate right in in God like that's like hey hey dad can we go play catch mm-hmm. you know and you know father and son they they throw with each other and they that they're participating yeah in each other okay so uh, what what's what is it that that God just loves doing so much? Well, it's all of the good stuff. Yeah, it's like everything that's right, good, true, beautiful. You know, the things about which we are supposed to to think and dwell on. So this is kind of off script here, but so do you? I mean, I guess almost like the Sunday school answers. Like, and how do you know God more? You read your Bible. Sure. Yeah, which, that's true. But it, but it almost seems like by behaving like God, we can know God. Well, uh, Jesus said. Uh, and, and and Jesus was quoting, uh, I, I guess from, <clears throat> I don't know, Exodus, Leviticus, somewhere in there, one of the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, not Genesis, Exodus or or, or, or thereafter, uh, that says, "Be perfect as I am perfect." Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we read that the other day. Be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right, so we're going to move on to the next section, which is attributes of Christians. So not that there won't be any overlap. In fact, certainly there will be. Uh, we're going to, so we're going to look to these passages as it pertains to the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, in this case, love, and how uh, these verses kind of show us uh, love as an attribute of Christians. So our first one is going to be John 13, 34 through 35. That's regular, John. Yeah. 13... 34 through 35. I think it's your turn. Is it my turn? Yep. I guess I better get there. John 13, 34 through 35. It says, where is it? Okay. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, 
so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Uh, I started to breathe like I was going to say something. What do you think? I have some thoughts. Love one another as he, Jesus, and therefore God has loved us. So we have to do good for each other and toward each other. Mm -hmm. Like in our dealings with each other, we should always be thinking about and caring about and trying to do the rightest and goodest thing that we can. Right. But I mean, there's an element of... And I, I know goodest isn't a word, but... I know you know that because you're a language arts teacher. And you're better than that, Justin. I'm at least gooder than that. You're a little gooder than that. Uh, what does he say here? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So it, it, there's there's also this element of like, I mean, I think of that song, right? We are one in the spirit. We That's a good one, one, right? And they'll know we are Christians by, by our, our love. love, right? So, I mean, first and foremost, we can't get through Deuterocanons without me singing. And then the other thing is... <laughs> <laughs> yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. It has kind of like the uh, like dissonant and dissonance in it too there. Right? It's, it's kind of minor, isn't it? Yeah. But there's this idea of this. This is what I, what I have. This is emblematic of our being Christ followers. Love. Yes. I mean, and, and I, this is almost maybe like a well-duh statement, but if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be able to wear like, uh, to, to call yourself that, then you have to love as Jesus loves. There's, there's no getting around that. And I, I guess it's worth saying because there are folks who don't want to love that way because there are times where that love isn't as, isn't pleasant. Right. Like Jesus, uh, I mean, outside of actually dying for us, the clearest expression of his love was of course, washing his disciples feet. Mm-hmm. That was the rightest thing that he could have possibly done in that moment. Right. And for all intents and purposes, probably not all that pleasant. Right. And because it was the, the rightest thing that he could have possibly done toward them and for them and with them, that's love. Yeah. He sacrificed because he got rid of something. Mm-hmm. He cast off his outer garment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could also say, you know, he, he got rid of his pride, but, you know, he, he didn't he didn't have any. You could say he got rid of his, uh, you know, desire for comfort or his desire to be served. But we know he didn't have either of those in, in the way that that we would. Um, but, but, but but still, it's that was the best thing he, he could have done and the best thing that, that anybody had ever done for any of them. Well, you know, and he's also, I mean, he's in, in in that situation, he's sacrificing in that, you know, the disciples are not washing people's feet. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there, they're reclining, they're having their feet washed. Well, you know? and, and in, in their in their defense, that maybe they were, maybe they thought somebody was, was going to do that, or maybe they thought, you know... I don't know. Just that that might not might, might not have been where their priorities were. It might not have been that they were, you know, like bonsoir or bonsoir, uh, basin, towel, servant, come wash my feet. Yeah. You, you know, I I don't except maybe Judas. Like maybe Judas was, you know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah wash my feet. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, I guess what I'm getting at that though is kind of going back to the first verse where we're talking about an attribute of God, where God is abounding in love. God is active in love. Right. right. 
I mean, what differentiates Jesus from the disciples here is that he is he's active, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes the sacrifice you're making when you love somebody is that you don't get to rest. Oh, yeah. You know? It's true. Okay, moving along. We are looking good on time here. Let's go over to Romans 12, 9 and 10. Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, but fervor in spirit serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Okay, so uh, what version are you reading there? New King James. New King James. I've yep. got the NIV, which is good. This is a good technique that I was teaching the kids using different translations. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I'm, we're going to pick some of these words out here. So mine says, love what is sincere. Yours just said what now? What was the first verse? Uh, love must be without hypocrisy. Without without hypocrisy. Okay. Right. So one of the things we've, I mean, we've done this here, things I was teaching them is the idea of kind of using synonyms. And so... Sure. Uh, one of the, the synonyms I pulled out of them for sincere was genuine. And so I think sometimes when we do that, that maybe, maybe helps us uh, further understand a passage. So this idea of love being genuine, right? So it needs to be real, which means it needs to be not fake. And so um, I don't know. Like I, I feel like that's, that's something that, uh, well, I, I, it's a good explanation because I think people know what, like we, we've, we've all met fake people before, yeah. you know? Um, and perhaps have experienced fake love, you know, um, which I think is another characteristic of love or, or the dynamic of our relationship with God that is interesting because I mean, uh, we want genuine love from people much like God wants genuine love from us. Like we don't, we don't want it to be uh compulsory. Yeah. And do, do you think that the second half of the verse might help us understand what the first half of it means? Uh, certainly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that felt like a leading question, so I'm going to go with yes. Yeah, it, it was It was a leading question. <laughs> um, w- w- what do you think might be the connection between the second half of verse 9 and the first half of verse 9? Okay, well, let's see. Cling to what is good. Hate, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so, so love the, must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So love love that is sincere is focused on that which is good. Yeah. Which has kind of been your theme, or our, I'll say our theme. Thank at you. This point, sure. All along. I'll let you participate in it. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I guess what I wanted to hone in on here with this fake versus real thing, though, is this idea of, uh, again, gen- the genuineness in our love. Because, again, when we talk about loving God and maybe the element of free will as it pertains to that, we can see again where, again, God doesn't, I uh, okay, at least I think God gives us free will because he doesn't want our love to be compulsory, right? And I think we would understand, we can appreciate that. We don't want somebody to love us just because they're compelled to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other on on the other hand, I think the other way you can see fake love is when there is some sort of return on investment. You know, I only I love you so long as uh, it's mutually beneficial, 
and that's not that's not the love of the Bible, the love of God that we're looking for here. Yeah, and um, well, because if it's if it's like what, what you're talking about, then then there's ulterior motive, mm-hmm. and if it if there's ulteri- if, if there's ulterior motive, well, then that's that's evil, mm-hmm. and it's not clinging to what is good, right. and so the things that are professed as being love aren't that right. You yeah. know, just because somebody calls it love doesn't make it that. Yeah. Which that reminds me of your Wendell Berry thing, right? Detaching definitions from their Yeah, the the world is babbled to pieces after the divorce of things from their names. So you've said it enough now that it means something to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I <clears throat> did did we we talked about the Tower of Babel. Yes. So th- think again about that quote. The world is babbled mm. to pieces yeah. after the divorce of things from their names. So he, he's, he's tying that to the curse of Babel itself. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so another word in here I honed in on was devotion because it says to be devoted to one another in love. Um, so again, perhaps going with our synonym theme, I mean, I don't know, loyalty comes to mind. Yeah. Hey, say that again. Devotion says be devoted. Okay. Mine says be devoted to one another in love. Is that what you've got? Okay, which which verse? 10. Hey, here's what mine says. Uh, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Huh. Giving preference to one yeah, another. Yeah, and so so where where does yours have devotion? Just, yeah, just read 10 again. 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This one sounds kind of more specific. Yeah, because ki- kindly of kindly affectionate, it, it's it's given in yours as, as devotion, and I I think that I mean I think that that's fair enough. I don't think it it means the opposite. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that 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 qualifier though, kindly affectionate. That's like uh, Todd was talking about this about loving kindness. Yeah. What's kindly What's the opposite of kind affection? Well, I think that that's getting into what what kindness means in the first place. Yeah, which I, I guess I'll, I'll just briefly say this. This is a conversation that Robert Hyde and I had a few years back. Uh, man, we've had a lot of, of memorable conversations. Uh, several of them, we've had lots of conversations with a dictionary between us. <laughs> I mean, you know, a, a huge, you know, like six inch thick, right? Uh, Webster's exhaustive. Uh, dictionary and and we we were talking about the word kind kindness or the words kindness kindly kind and and it comes from i mean so so kind like like think about that as a noun instead of an adjective right as in like are we saying like like uh animals two of a kind Right, and and so we are of a certain kind, and that's even something that that Paul talks about. In so is kindness like sameness? Uh, no, c- kindness. It, well, okay, yes, mm-hmm. yes, but not in the sense of the giver. So I, I don't know if you've read the giver, but I when have, you, it's w- been a while. Okay, when you said sameness, like that, that's where that's where where my mind went. So kind is the idea of the the sorts the species within the created order let's mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. and so um i think paul says this in in first corinthians 
15, I think this is a distinction that he makes that there are different kinds of flesh, mm-hmm. that there's one kind of flesh of, you know, birds or, or you know, ground animals. Yeah. But there's another kind uh, of flesh when it comes to humans. And then, you know, the, uh, the beings that are, that are higher than we are that we call angels typically, they're, they're of another kind. It's, it's another sort. <laughs> Uh, maybe is genus the right scientific genus? Yeah, genus. The, I don't know if that's the right word scientifically. Genophile class order family genus species. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> so, maybe, so maybe. genus is one above <clears throat> species. Okay, all right. So I think that that's that's what it's talking about. So in other words, there's there there's um, a particular way of treating members of our own kind. Mm-hmm. And so, so the the righteous way to treat another member of our kind is kindness. Yeah, it's like the, the yeah the proper way of interacting with another of our kind. Now, th- there are also proper ways of interacting with um, that which is not of yeah. our of our kind, and mm-hmm. that that is a, a, another sort of ki- kindness. It's almost like y- like, like ethical treatment of animals. Let's say yeah yeah n- not to not to give those people any airtime mm-hmm. exactly since. <laughs> treating animals like people is not kindness right period i mean it, it it defies the fundamental definition so we shouldn't be surprised to see a whole lot of it in our time well you're you're said something about preference right i mean that's that's the other thing that baffles me right didn't it say something about preference yeah yeah in honor giving preference to well, one another so when we talk about those people PETA, like that's the thing is their preference seems to be for not their kind Right, you, you put know? first thing second, you get neither. Yeah. Okay, uh, were you done? With well, that point? sorry, keep going. Fur babies is really not a, a term to embrace. All right, <laughs> that's the second time. It's actually, isn't it furries? Well, no, no, no. That's a totally different thing, and that's that's also perverse. That's problem. Perversion. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of jump here ahead real quick, so because we're we are getting close on time. Uh, we so, have a time limit. Uh, I mean, it's eight twenty-one at night. You know, it's a school night, Justin. So yeah. yes and no, but and I've already told you, I'm borderline sleep deprived. Ish, we have a time ish, <laughs> time limit ish. So we're at one oh eight, but that doesn't count all the banter at the beginning, which it doesn't. We'll have to shave shave down. But uh, anyway, we'll fix it in post. Um, you always do. Yeah. So what was I going to say here? So that uh, you read you read through eleven. You did. So I, I read through like yeah. 14, I think. Never be lacking in zeal. Well, let me just read this note here because I thought it was interesting. Uh, let's see here. What was the note for? It was 4 9, I think. Read note. Uh, 9. Okay. Is this it? Love. Believers' love for fellow Christians and perhaps also for other people. Sincere. True love, not pretense. In view of the preceding paragraph, with its emphasis on social concern, the love Paul speaks of here is not mere emotion, but love and action, as delineated in the rest of the chapter. So, and all of that requires sacrifice. Certainly. And I think what, what I was kind of honing in on there is this idea of not mere emotion, love and action. So perhaps, kind of like we talked about before with Jesus washing feet, we are also to be abounding in love mm-hmm. or active in love, which I mean, it's like no surprise, right? Like our attributes of love, the attributes of love for Christians uh, mirrors that of God. Right. And here's where the sacrifice comes in. You're busy. Certainly. 
You're 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 insanely busy. Me specifically, you. I'm pretty you. busy. Yeah, you're I'm pretty, busy. I'm pretty busy. Yeah, I'm busy. Yep. We are we are both really busy. So like to do these things to be abounding in love, which means be abounding in doing right, doing what's right by yeah as as many people as we happen to run into. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Even even having an awareness of that being something that we need to do requires sacrifice because it means we're thinking about that instead of something else. I'll tell you what's interesting about that too, and this is something I was telling Jessica, is like, I feel like the times where I feel myself getting angry or maybe anxious, uh, like there's a direct correlation between that and like the, 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 the pressure of time. You know, like when I get frustrated with my kids and I'm not displaying kindness to them, it's often because I don't have time for, for whatever it is they're doing, you know, and it's, which is, which is unfortunate and man, what I'm kind of speak thinking out loud here. So, cause again, we think about that idea of how we, we shouldn't be concerning ourselves with time on the one hand, but we should also, we know that there's a, there's a day and hour that is approaching, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not, we're not to worry, but then there is also that to kind of worry about i suppose i don't know but but either way how um yeah like you said like we're we're busy and it can be a struggle to love people rightly when we are busy yeah absolutely and so yeah all all of this so when i say sacrifice it, it can be easy to to think like like really huge ultimate life death type sacrifices mm-hmm. but Going to church to be with other believers to worship God instead of sleeping in is a sacrifice. Well, you know, it's it's sacrifices again another Jordan Peterson thing, but uh, like foregoing short term pleasure for long term right like, like yeah. gain yeah. right. Um, which again, really every every choice is a sacrifice certainly. because every choice is a cutting off of all possibilities except for the one chosen. It's, it's an opportunity cost. That's yeah. the economic term yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. All right, we got a couple, two more passages here, and then we can tie a bow on this. Um, we'll see how rapidly we can move, move through this next one because the, the final one is the one that I think it really kind of brings it home. So let's go over to 1 Peter 1, 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. Whose turn is it? Is it my turn? Yours. These, these chairs are kind of creaky. We're going to do away with that, get better chairs. 1 Peter 1, 22 says, He committed no sin. Am I in the right place? Nope, that's two. 122, Byron, come on. Get it together. Yeah, I was wondering what you were reading. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Hmm. Uh, My note here says that seems to echo Romans. And then I wrote, deeply equals fervently having or showing great warmth or intensity of spirit, feeling, or enthusiasm. So, I mean, maybe that's the, the one difference is well, not, not so much a difference, but uh, something we can kind of hone in on from that passage is this, again, this qualifier of loving somebody deeply. Uh, what did it say there? Deeply or with intensity of spirit, feeling, or enthusiasm. Yeah, so so all of this talk that we've been doing about sacrifice and how it's it's more than feelings, it's also not less than feelings. Yeah. yeah I mean, f- feelings are a part of it, but so often the, the, the appropriate feelings follow the appropriate actions. Certainly. Yeah, man, like, and if you've experienced love, you know that you just can't make that, uh, like the reason that you love is to experience. Cause I mean, there is that, right? Like there's, there's people who are in love with 
their idea of love so much so that they will dispose of humans so long as they can continue to feel that feeling. Which means that they're really not talking about love, even if they say the word. Right. They're talking about some, something completely different, just like sensuality. Certainly. Pleasure, uh, immediate gratification. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter like what the, what the object is. If that's the priority, if having X now is a priority, well, that's, that's the flesh. Yes. All right. So finally, we're going to turn over to 1 John 4, and there's a couple. So it's 1 John 4, and then 11 through 12, and then 21. Okay. At least that's how it's broken down. So why don't you go ahead and read children, or sorry, that's this. Beloved. Yeah. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. All right. And then I got 11 through 12, which said... Uh, I just read 11 and 12. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. I think you said 21, right? Yep, 21. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So, um, I think the interesting thing about what it says here, let me just read what I wrote when I typed this out. It says, we've never seen God, but we can know him, experience him, and others can know and experience him through our love for each other. And so, it's this idea of, like we, we read before, that God is love. And like we, we, we had mentioned this before, like, and so it seems like, like certainly we can know him by, by being in the scripture more, but we can also know him by behaving like him. Mm-hmm. And then since we can't physically like be with him, it seems like kind of the, uh, what's the word I'm like here? Maybe like we can be proxies for God for each other, maybe by like, if you're behaving like God behaves and I behave like God behaves and we interact with one each other, we're, we're thereby interacting with God. Yeah, that, that, that's right. It's almost like <clears throat> we're two or more gathered or something. Or, or it's like where, where Jesus was praying. Um, he, he, he said he wasn't praying just for, for his disciples alone, but for anyone who would end up believing because of their testimony, he prayed that um, just as the Father was in him, that they both would be in everybody who believed. He said, I I and you and you and... Uh, oh, how does he say it? I and you... You and me, us and them, it's like something, yeah, yep. like that. Okay, I remember and, that and so, so it's this idea of of total unity. Mm-hmm. That well, that's I used that verse for that communion meditation where we talked about unity, and then we talked about it when we talked about unity again. Yeah, because that was that was the promise. I and you and them and me. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what he says. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, and so then there's this last part here. It says, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Mine says brother and sister. I'm sure it just says brother and yours, right? Yep. Um, I'm sorry. It starts off with that. And he has given us this command. In fact, I remember this is the old church. This, uh, when I was growing up, we had these like CDs. I can't remember which one they were. It wasn't like the music machine. It was like the, we sing church songs. And it was like, this is our commandment that you love, love one another, another, that your joy may be full. Right. So at the end of the day, it also seems like if nothing else, uh, as Christians, as followers of of God, as followers of Christ, we are to love 
because he said so. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which, which, which seems like mere compliance, but I think what it speaks to also is again, what you've been saying all along, this idea of if nothing else you are to love because that's the right thing to do. Right. Paul, one of the ways that Paul put it was like this to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. So to live is Christ. Uh, so I, I think that, that one of the things that he means is that by continuing to live, we continue to embody Christ in the time between his ascension and his return, <clears throat> which would mean that, that we are, that we are, you know, being Jesus, hopefully toward each other. Yeah. All right, so I think what we'll do here to kind of tie a bow on this is the one pat, uh, passage that we did not read that pertains to love that I, I would assume would probably come to most people's mind right off the bat, and that's 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in 12, 27, and we'll read through 13, 13. So I'll read 27 through, I don't know, maybe like 13... Three, and then you can finish it up. Okay, sure. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greatest (laughs) gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can have moved mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Four. Okay, sorry. I, I, I got lost looking at one of the ways that mine's different from yours. <laughs> focus, <laughs> Justin, focus. Yes. Love suffers long and is kind. There, there it is again. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Hmm. It's interesting. It is interesting. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a glass dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, 
but the greatest of these is love. So certainly we could do a whole <coughs> series of episodes on just that reading. Sure. Oh, yeah. And I think we see many of the same themes uh, we've discussed tonight in there, how love isn't contingent on behavior and how, uh, I mean, it's just a matter of doing right. You mean that, that doing right toward a person is not contingent upon that person's behavior? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I had something else that, oh, and I guess then there's this idea of putting away childish things. And, and, and I think when we think about maybe like the worldly definition of a love or, or as we've kind of alluded to tonight, this, the idea of other things that people think are love. I mean, I think those are really are rooted in childishness. I mean, for lack of a better term. And so, uh, a manifestation of your maturity as a person, as a Christian specifically is maybe to have a better understanding of what love is, uh, uh, according to the, according to God, according to the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, children very understandably need to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. But there's a point where a person shifts from being taken care of to caring for. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's at the, the root of love. Those sounded like pretty good final thoughts. Sure. Yeah. All right. That was it then. Want to take, take us out? Yep. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus, to love more like him, and to help us to, to know what's right and good and true and beautiful and to uh, pursue those things for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.